Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, DFlash. Each episode, I bring in an awesome business leader who's doing some game-changing work. And this episode is no different. I'm super excited to have Susanna Woodley, who is the head of membership at Soho Works. And they are our incredible sponsors of our 29 Days of Magic campaign. So I'm super psyched to have a conversation with Susanna. It's gonna be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Susanna. Hi. Uh, like, I don't know you. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> full disclosure, Susanna's a friend. <laughs> so like, weird. You know, way, you, you know way too much, Laura. You know way too much. That's okay. You buy me alcohol, so I keep quiet. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so even though you, you and I are friends and uh, your amazing company is sponsoring the podcast, nothing changes. So the first question remains the same. So, Susanna, what was your first job? My first job. <laughs> okay, well, is this like my first job in terms of for free? Like I didn't get a paycheck or my first job when I actually got like a paycheck? It can be either or, whichever one kind of pops into your head. I mean, I consider my my first job, which my father paid me. <laughs> was to be um, his assistant in his office. Um, he was a director of engineering for a hospital uh, in Manhattan on 135th, which used to be called Flower Hospital, nicknamed Flower on Fifth. Um, and it's also where I was born. I was born in that hospital um, and he worked there for 40 years. And so they used to have this youth program and I always wanted to like apply for it, but children of employees were exempt from, from applying for it. So my father said, I'll pay you out of my pocket and you could be our assistant in the office. So <laughs> I guess that's like one of my first jobs. <laughs> and what did you learn? I was young. I was, how old was I? I think I was around 13 or 14 and I was actually still going to summer camp. So this was something that I did before I went to summer camp upstate and then I would mirac miraculously still have the job when I came back. <laughs> magically, just magically. Magically. <laughs> so that's like my, my first job. Uh, yeah, learning um, the importance of a dollar and learning to save money and, you know, knowing the, the worth of a dollar and, you know, what you get from, from hard work. So, so yeah, that was my first job. <laughs> That's a good one. And it kind of gave you a good setup to where you are now, where it's like, you know, making sure that you value your work and helping to build community. So like, you know, it all, it all I works mean, out. I don't know about the building community aspect of it um, that early <laughs> on in the age, but definitely having a, a good work ethic for sure. And just being exposed to that um, at a young age. Cause I mean, both of my parents were professionals in, in their field. You know, I've never, which is really interesting when you, when you think about um, our parents and their work ethic, especially if they are, 
not American. Um, you know, I'm first generation American and they're not. So I feel like um, when you come to this country, you just feel like you have something to prove. And I just think that that was their, their mindset. So really solid work ethic for sure. Which, you know, that's, you know, just a first gen thing that we all have, where it's like, you saw the work that your parents did and but it, it means more to you to do well because you saw what your parents did to like make sure that you were taken care of. So right. yeah, and you take pride in everything you do. So, and, oh, it totally, it totally tracks. So, okay, so we go from being your dad's special assistant to now uh, at Soho Works. What was that career journey like? Definitely um, kind of, uh, an interesting journey, um, only in the sense that when I kind of line up the dots of, you know, of um, my my previous jobs, um, they they've all had a community um, aspect to it, even though the times were different um, from where I started. So if I'm looking back at when I worked in a World Trade Center, um, which started out as a part time job that turned into a full-time job when the VP of sales um, kind of plucked me from the reception team and said, you know, you have such a great rapport with our clientele and you're just really effortless at, at selling. I don't even think you realize that you're, you're selling. And um, she uh, created a position for me um, which was a role that she was thinking about for a long time, which was kind of focusing on retention of memberships and um, programming and services. And this was a, um, a company called the Fitness Company that had uh, health clubs across the Eastern Seaboard. Um, so New York, DC, New Jersey, um, Connecticut, and the fitness company that I worked at, the club that I worked at was in the World Trade Center. Um, and so I was with them for five years and I was their uh, membership uh, sales coordinator. And then that turned into a, a full on membership advisor role. And it was a really interesting place to be because the majority of that clientele were men, because again, it's the World Trade Center. So right. you're thinking of the brokers, you're thinking of finance, bankers, and, and the like. And um, this was a beautiful, you know, panoramic view club where the towels were warm before you even heard of such a thing. And your locker room had views of Statue of Liberty um, and the river. And, you know, every December we would see the tree coming up the barge up the river for Rockefeller Center. We always knew when it was fleet week and <laughs> um, the ships would roll into town. It was just a, a really amazing experience to work at a, at a club of, of that caliber, not knowing that those type of clubs existed. And then I, uh, my, the same VP who left the organization to uh, become a director of sales for Reebok Sports Club New York, um, which was part of the uh, sports club company brand at the time, which was the, the you know, club to belong to, you know? Yes, um, that club. To, yeah, you have to remember, I mean, this club was 140,000 square feet with eight floors, with a 40 foot rock climbing wall, a junior Olympic size pool, dry cleaning services, a bar and a restaurant. 
childcare services, Paula Brex Salon and Spa, and a little over 9,500 members. And they were about to expand and um, they were going to open up five more luxury clubs in uh, a two year period. So they were really looking for good people. And uh, she, you know, left the fitness company, went to work for that company and slowly but surely she started to reach out and she snapped two of us up from the fitness company, stole us, uh, so to speak. <laughs> and I took an operational role because I felt like, you know, selling was so natural to me that I wanted to know a little bit more about operations. And there was a, a management role that was available. And so I had interviewed for that role. I received it. And then after what, four, three years in, I decided to go back into sales when a direct role um, became available. I remember before uh, interviewing for that role, you know, again, we were opening up the luxury clubs in Boston in connection to the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. We we're opening up the one in Miami in connection to the Miami, uh, the Miami Four Seasons. We were opening one in DC, which was connected to Ritz-Carlton. Um, we were opening one on 61st and 1st in Manhattan, which used to be the old vertical club. So they were taking that over. And then the one at Rockefeller Center, which was going to overlook the ice skating rink. And then um, Beverly Hills on Wilshire. And then um, another location in San Francisco that was connected to the Four Seasons. And so I was able to travel to a lot of different um, properties before they opened to train my counterpart. Um, wow. Yeah. And that was just for me, you know, um, just being someone in her 20s and just kind of having that um, experience was was pretty awesome. Um, and again, like having like the preview week, like the first day would be, um, you know, welcoming um, the, the press. The second day would be welcoming, you know, the high profile celebrities. I mean, we would have anyone from Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, we would have, um, you know, different actors. We had a lot of soap opera actors um, at Reebok because it was right across from ABC Studios. Um, we would have Boris Kojo, we'd have Mark Wahlberg, we'd have just so many, you know, high profile members that after a while, it just became one of these things that, you know, you just blink your eye, like they're just, you know, another person. Um, but it also gave you some, um, uh, uh, some awareness, I think as well as, how to treat people, um, mm -hmm. regardless of the level that that person's in. Um, at this, at the end of the day, they're just a human being, and you know, you treat people the way you'd want to be treated. But anyway, I digress. Um, so that was my time with the sports club company. I went and I became their director of membership um, at the uh, Reebok Sports Club location. So I was with that company for eight full years. Um, got a little burnt out, and. Um, I ended up uh, being poached by Clay, um, which was a minimalist um, high-end spa and club on 14th Street that coincidentally um, was founded by a member of Reebok Sports Club New York. <laughs> <laughs> really? I had no idea. Uh, her husband, um, well, she's a very wealthy woman um, due to her husband and you know, he just wanted to make her happy. And um, she secured a 25,000 square foot space. And it was just, you know, sunken lounge with a fireplace and roof deck and, you know, showers with sunlight 
and everything was just white on white on white. And, you know, we're in the 2000s, you know, now, and this is a time where, you know, people are getting a little bit more niche with their um, nutrition and their health and their wellness routine. And she really wanted to create um, something unique where every single member had access to a plan that was just personalized for them. And the membership director um, would be like their guru, you know, like, so these are your goals, but, you know, I'm going to set you up with this trainer because you just had a baby. You're, you're, you know, coming out of that. It's postnatal training. I think you should also try Pilates. I'm going to set you up with this Pilates instructor. Um, I think that you need to work on your nutrition. I'm going to set you up with this nutritionist. And um, I'm also going to recommend a massage therapist um, for deep tissue. You know, like, so it was a whole program, like you really became like their go-to person. So um, that was a, a, a fun um, place to work. It was also um, kind of like a pint size, you know, Reebok Sports Club New York. So I went from 140,000 square feet with over 9,500 members to um, 25,000 square feet with um, a little uh, over 1,600 members. Um, and one of the things that I did with that company was um, business development and partnerships. And um, I learned about a private club that was on 14th Street between 7th and 8th um, through one of our members at the time. And I figured, you know, this would be a really good partnership because I felt like the community at that private club number one, um, we're in the demographic in terms of being able to afford a club membership like Clay, um, but also the Clay members were creatives in their own right. You know, John Legend was a member. Um, oh, Susan wow. Legend was a member. Yeah, I mean, like we I had- I used to pass that gym all the time and I never knew anything that was going on. Never was so on, so in this, uh, in the street, like on the street where you just like walk by yeah. and go by Sam Ash and keep it moving. <laughs> you keep it moving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Grace Coddington, um, uh, Phyllis Posnick of Vogue. I mean, you had like the whole Vogue editor crew um, that were members there. It was just a really, um, it was a, a really good hideaway. You know, it was convenient for people to get to who worked downtown, worked in Soho or lived in the village or lived in Chelsea, um, but also gave them a good little like hideaway spot. These were, these were members who did not want to be in like an Equinox setting and they definitely right. didn't want to be in a crunch setting. Um, and they wanted to really feel good about themselves. Um, and, uh, and just not have any prying eyes, you know, that's why, you know, the sidewalk was the entrance, but you didn't see anything within the club until you got upstairs and you were elevated. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a really interesting place. And, you know, when I had um, contacted the director at Norwood and talked about, you know, ways that we could partner up, um, we started off with our, we used to have these summer member cocktail parties in our roof deck. And so we worked with Norwood to have them cater 
the uh, cocktail parties and made sure that the members knew where obviously this amazing food and service was coming from. And then vice versa, we would then do some programming on site at the private club. They had this beautiful screening room that once you remove the furniture, you could really turn it into anything. And we used to create these really beautiful projections um, on the screen and do yoga in their screening room uh, on a Saturday before they opened, you know, for their members. And so it was a really good relationship kind of coming up with different programming ideas. And then after a while, uh, as we knew what would happen, Clay members wanted to learn more about Norwood. They ended up like joining, you know, applying for membership and becoming members there. And then, you know, we created um, preferred rates for Norwood members. They ended up joining Clay and having memberships. And, you know, what could be better? You go to work, you go to Clay to work out, and then you literally skip down the block and go to Norwood and have a cocktail and dinner. <laughs> it was just really uh, an amazing brainchild of an idea. And slowly but surely, um, what happened with Norwood is that the director ended up, who was also a founder of Norwood um, and an investor, she had to move back to uh, the UK to take care of her ailing parents. And I'm really hard. I'm really, I don't do British accents well, but I just remember her saying like, you know, I really, really am going to miss this place. <laughs> No, oh boy, decent, decent to then additional one. <laughs> and I really want to make sure that my people are taken care of. Right, right, indeed. Uh huh, right, right. Uh huh, right, right, right. Um, here's a spot of tea. Let's talk. And um, she basically asked me if I would take over when she left. She basically offered me a job. You're like, wait, hold on. Like, wait, watch, what? Like, watch me get in poetry yet again. Yeah. Um, and it was, um, it was insane. So um, I, I really thought about it. And um, some advice that was given to me um, during this thought process was, if it makes you scared, you should do it. You know, yeah, you're familiar with health and wellness and sales. But, you know, this is definitely out of your realm. This is you know, a private arts club, you're going to be meeting a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, managing a lot of different personalities, and you're going to throw alcohol into the mix. You're going to be around that all the time. And you have to interview, you know, uh, prospective members, you have to propose to the committee as to why um, they should be members. I mean, you are going to be able to curate an entire community on 14th Street. Um, and you're a Black woman on top of that. Um, you should do it. If it makes you scared, you should do it. And um, I thought about it and it made me scared. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna try it. And um, you know, anyone who has belonged to a private club, whether it's a Soho House or Groucho or you know, Norwood, um, there, there are many you know, clubs around the world, but um, what made a Norwood really unique at that time was the fact that it was in this beautiful um, 1860s landmark townhouse with all the original flooring and original stairs. And, you know, it used to be, um, you know, it was built for Andrew Norwood and, and then it, it was, uh, oh, sorry, before it was um, built for Andrew Norwood, sorry, it was a funeral home. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was a home during the suffrage era as well for women who needed to room and board. 
and then it was a funeral home. So it was a suffrage part and then it was a, a funeral home. And then it was purchased for Andrew Norwood and it became the Andrew Norwood house and it was landmarked and it just stayed that way. Um, and, you know, uh, five floors of just a lot of creativity. You had writers, you had filmmakers, you had actors, you had models, you had um, members in advertising, um, digital marketing. Um, and it was just an interesting shift as well because you had the, the rise of, of WeWork that was also happening around that time and people also getting into startups and they were practicing, you know, lawyers for maybe 10 years. And they were like, you know what, that was never my love. That was something that my parents wanted me to do. I think it's time for me to be in fashion, which was always like your first love, you know what I mean? So you definitely mm -hmm. had like an alchemy of, 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 of individuals. Um, and it was really amazing to be able to like to, pick and choose and you know um at the end of the day I just wanted to make sure that we didn't have too many head cases <laughs> mm -hmm. that would you know um really change the community and then you also had to have a balance and check system any private club that's on the creative side that says that they never have you know people from finance they're lying because there is no art without commerce and it's just making sure you have the right finance people, you know? Um, so even if I met someone who was in finance, you can tell if they were a douche versus someone that you met who was in finance that was an art collector that was always looking for emerging artists or they were funding, you know, um, their friend's documentary or film project, you know, individuals who wanted to kind of like give back to creatives and help them on the business side, which as you know, with creatives, they think more about the creative aspect of their job, but they don't really think more about the business side of their job so that they can sustain their, their art. And I found that having some members that were willing to give back to our community in that way to be extremely helpful. And that's how you just did like the checks and balances. But yeah, it was five, five and a half years at, at Norwood. Um, and uh, it was, it was a crazy time. Awesome. And then what made you decide to come to SummerWorks? So we love the space. I'm looking around right now and like we're in our, our your kind of beautiful podcasting room. It's just, it, it feels so welcoming, especially when we're in this, in this really crazy time of, uh, of COVID. It's been a nice refuge to escape out of my apartment and look out a different window. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... It was. It wasn't. SoulWorks wasn't on my radar. Um, honestly, after I left Norwood, I worked for um, this co-working, co-living space called the Assemblage for two years, and you know the pandemic really rocked that company to its core, as well as the founder um, passing away, unfortunately. And um, just like everyone else, you know, you're at a standstill. Um, I was laid off. You know, like everyone else, quarantined in New York and you know, not really understanding what the next move would be. So I think what, like April, I like quarantine, May, I did yoga once, June, <laughs> and then- by <laughs> I love the steps, I drank all the wine. And yeah, <laughs> I think everybody has quarantine steps. They just really haven't thought out what, you know, um, what they were, but yeah, those are my steps. And um, I said, okay, let me, you know, just tap into my network and see what's out there. Um, 
because with the pandemic, you, again, you don't really know how businesses are doing and you just hear a lot of, you know, um, flight stories that were happening in New York. I had connected with um, the managing director of North America um, of Soho House uh, in 2018 when I left Norwood and um, it was an introduction from a, a colleague, a former colleague of mine. And while nothing panned out from that meeting, I still had his email address. And I said, well, let me just email him and let him know what I've been up to. And he replied like literally within what, three hours, I think of that. Like, so the same day. And wow. yeah. And he was like, we should talk, let's set up a zoom. And I found out about the about their the vertical arm of the company called Soho Works that they were developing, which is, you know, these international network of workspaces, um, where it still has kind of like the Soho House ethos, but it was definitely designed and equipped for members with you know solo businesses or small businesses to connect and grow, and also to be um, very different from the house itself because the house, all the solo houses, there's like 28 solo houses around the world. Um, you know, those were supposed to be social um, spaces and slowly they were becoming workspaces where people were camping out or members were camping out like at the bar with their laptop and it's like 6 p.m. They've only had coffee and like, you know, members are coming in to enjoy themselves and have a glass of wine and it's just, you know, wasn't really a good look the founder of Soho House decided to launch Soho Works so that members of Soho House had a space that they can come to and actually get work done. And the furniture is ergonomic and there's ports and outlets and everywhere. And more importantly, you can talk on your phones. <laughs> right, take photos. <laughs> you can take photos, you can film. I mean, like it really is set up as a, as a space for people to actually work and not get chastised for, um, you know, talking on their phones or what have you. And that is what was interesting to me because honestly, I didn't want to go back to um, a private club um, after working at the assemblage um, for two years and learning more about co-working and curating communities in that way and connecting members in that kind of you know setting, um, which really I felt gave me a little bit more of a purpose. And um, I definitely did not want to go back to like getting off work like at 1 a.m., you know. Um, <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and drinking wine like all the time. Like I left Norwood and I dropped literally like 20 pounds within like the first three months that I, for my departure, you know. So that's how I knew like, wow, I didn't realize that I had kind of like was not taking good care of myself. Um, so Soho Works was really the best of both worlds because um, it does have some members that are Soho House members, but anybody can join Soho Works. It is open to non-members. And I really love that they were trying to go with that. There's no committee process. Um, I get to meet individuals that live in the area. Um, the one that I oversee is in Dumbo. And you know, Brooklyn, as you know, is such a, um, a culturally rich borough, just a really nice hub of tech and design and creative thinkers and innovators and it's just great that we're saying if you of if you are of that elk then you should definitely belong and then I get to kind of like introduce people and again I'm curating 
a community here, um, just in a, for a different company in a different setting in a different way. Awesome. And uh, again, I might be a touch biased, but you've been doing a wonderful job of like connecting with really great <laughs> folks who are in the space Thank and you. curating awesome programming. Like we did a whole great chat with this guy from Squire. We did a great one with uh, wellness and dark beauty and BAL. So, you know, I think especially this time when everyone's kind of like, what do I do? Oh my God. Like, how do I meet new people? Um, building new communities like the one that you're, you're fostering at Soho Works has been refreshing and nicely diverse to see. I, again, I always think of communities that like, it is when you fill it with people that you didn't know you needed to know and everyone's chill. Cause you can meet people who you should have, you didn't know you needed to know, but they're kind of jerks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and you're like, I can take this or leave it. Or you can meet people yeah. like, I don't even know. And they're just great folks. Uh, and so, you know, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure watching, you know, how that's been able to span out and really neat in like surprisingly wonderful ways. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspace is to help creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe, wonderful, and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feel safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re- record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. So I'm sure along the way, you've had lots of challenges in your career. Mm. Take, take us back to a moment where you're like, I'm never going to get out of this. And then you did. I mean, challenges, challenges. Um, yeah. <laughs> challenges. There's, I mean, there's, there's different types of challenges. I think when you're dealing with, with people, when you are in member service, um, it is, um, you're, you're definitely challenged by personalities um, and strong ones if alcohol is involved. And, um, and I, I definitely had some, some interesting moments at Norwood, you know, um, because when you imbibe, you know, that's when the real you kind of, you know, comes forth. Um, so I would, without, I don't know if I have a specific challenge though. Um, I think, you know, right now is a challenge. Let's just use today. Today is a hell of a challenge, you know, Laura. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, selling has always been very organic for me, you know? Um, and I've been grateful to have positions in my career that really allows me to use my personality in such a seamless and effortless way that um, a client or a member feels comfortable with me to say, yeah, let's take over this office or yes, like let's bring my whole team here or yes, I wanna host this program with you. I think that's an amazing. Um, And it's often, you know, one member actually said the other day um, to my colleague was that all she did was walk in for a tour and she left with a dedicated desk and conference rooms and 
she was never like even planning on joining, um, but it was just through an organic conversation we had. And so I think the challenge right now is um, all of the tools that I use in my toolbox um, have not made much of a dent that they normally would in a pre-pandemic um, season, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I am constantly being challenged by, you know, the state of the world right now and um, the decision makers um, not really making decisions because they don't know if it's the right time, you know, to offer this kind of membership or service to their employees or, you know, they don't want to make a commitment because of the pandemic or, you know, their employees have enjoyed working from home and, you know, what they, they, they don't want to be that bad, you know, person or that bad boss that says, okay, we have this hub, this amazing space, we want you guys to start coming in. Nobody wants to force their employees to, you know, change up their current situation um, because it, we're in a pandemic. And so that's the challenge that I'm having right now. What used to be so easy to me um, in conversation, in selling, in creating experiences, everyone is coming up with objections that are very challenging to overcome. And um, another part of this challenge is not taking it personally. Right. You know? Um, and uh, that has been a challenge for me because I, I'm second guessing my talents and I'm second guessing, you know, what I'm good at. I'm second guessing, you know, my interpersonal skills, my relationship skills, you know, um, my uh, uh, solution skills, my, <laughs> you know, all of it. Um, and it's a constant challenge to remind myself that this pandemic. Is, this is <laughs> This is not a normal time. And um, if someone says no to me, don't take it personal. It has nothing to do with me. And it's hard because you're just like, wait, how in the heck? It's because I know the feeling. I mean, same here. It's like, obviously, I cure events for a living. So it's hard to kind of like convince folks, well, hey, this is weird. Why don't you guys want to do this? Um, and understanding that, like, we're just, we're in a panorama and <laughs> like, it's just the way it, it's just the way it works right now. <laughs> but it's still annoying as hell. <laughs> um, you know, thinking about that, looking at, at um, everything you've done, what do you think you'd tell twenty-five-year-old Susanna? Um, I would probably tell twenty-five-year-old Susanna um, to. Can, like to take to take care of yourself more, you know, um, and to make sure that you always make your self care a priority. In my twenties, I definitely did that, and I feel like that, you know, I kind of fell out of that. Um, what ten years later, fifteen years ish later, and um, it's definitely something that I have to remember that. Um, you know, health is wealth. And if I don't feel good, um, I don't think that I am putting my best foot forward all the time. So 
um, just, you know, taking care of myself. And, and that's all that's from physical to mental to stress relief, like take those moments to really say, you know what, I'm done working for the day. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking 30 minutes to just take a walk, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's, what's really important for sure. That's so important. I think we all forget that and be like, oh, wait, no, I, I don't have to take care of myself. Like, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm like, no, <laughs> that is not how this works. Um, you have to, you have to take care of yourself. Just, you have to. Speaking of which, since it is crazy, we are in COVID, you know, there's snow on the ground. What in the world are you doing for your self-care other than cooking amazing stuff and putting on Instagram, which I love. <laughs> yeah, cooking, who knew? Um, cooking, who knew? Uh, that has definitely been um, a discovery. I think <laughs> like a lot of women, um, uh, you know, you don't really spend so much time um, cooking when you are working all the time. And um, thank God for YouTube and videos. Um, I think cooking has been really, has been a really good tool for me. Um, and also honestly, just like walking, like just getting out and just walking. Like I really enjoy, um, getting some fresh air, especially wearing this mask all the time. Um, <laughs> and, um, it's amazing when you take walks, um, in the opposite paths of where you normally walk, you know? So it also allows you to discover new things in your neighborhood, which I love. Well, that's the thing. That's one of my favorite things about like is finding all the stuff that's new. Like, you know, I started my bike adventures this summer and like that led me to see, learn about there's a lighthouse in New York City, who knew? And like, and you kind of fall in love with New York all over again because of all the things you can discover. So I think that's, you know, I totally agree with you, my darling. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And, you know, last question for you. Do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? I, can you repeat that question? Oh, do you have a give or an and or an ask of the audience? So this could be anything from like, here's a great book I read to everyone take some time to meditate. It can be anything you want. Um... I would love an ask. I would love to know what, um, especially black women, I wanna know what are you reading these days um, in the self-help section? <laughs> not in fiction, not you know autobiographies, but in the self-help section, like within the last six months, I would love to know. All right, so we'll put that out to the audience. Like, what are you reading in self-help, especially if you're a black woman? Well, I know what you're reading, what you're consuming. Um, you know, I haven't read a self-help book in a while. I, I tend to listen to podcasts that make me laugh. That's my version of self-help. Mm. Uh, it kind of takes me away from the foolishness. Uh, but so I'm curious myself to see what folks come back with you. So we'll see what the audience says. Um, um, but Susanna, obviously I could just keep chatting with you and drinking, um, <laughs> but, but we cannot, um, but it's such a delight to have you on the show and sharing your story. I think 
you know, you just have so much, so many great nuggets of wisdom and how folks can find their way and navigate through it all with such grace and style. So it's I hope it was a delight helpful. to have a I felt like I just like rambled on and on. So I hope it was helpful. It was totally awesome. You're good. <laughs> uh, uh, and so we'll put details in the show notes for folks to check out Soho Works, check you out and have a chance if you want to talk to her. As I said, um, I love Soho Works. It's been a wonderful new home. Um, in this really unusual set of circumstances with COVID to like, you know, be COVID safe, wear your mask indoors, um, sit in very comfortable chairs and just get some work done and meet some really cool people all still wearing a mask um, <laughs> and, and, and helping to foster some new communities. So it's a delight. Um, and uh, that is our show. <laughs>